Did you know Kelly Blue Book's instant cash offer helps you attract customers who are motivated to trade in or sell their vehicles? Plus, it helps you to say yes to more customers without taking on cars you can't move. Learn more about instant cash offer by contacting your Kelly Blue Book representative today. All right, let's move on to the show. Here we go. Welcome to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. My name is Michael Cirillo, and each week I sit down with the brightest minds in marketing, sales, and leadership to help you level up your career in automotive. Thank you so much for spending your time here with me today. Now let's open up the playbook. Here we go. All right, here we go. Episode 122 of the Dealer Playbook Podcast, joined by my good friend. And yes, of all of the people that I have a fake show business relationship with, he is my fake bestest friend. Danny Benitez, welcome to the Dealer Playbook. How you doing, Odie? You doing hey, all right? you know what's going on? I mean, we going for hoagies after this or what? I don't know. I don't know. The last time you took me, the guy took so long making my sandwich, I was going to have to kill him. You know? Yeah, that's how. That's that's the Hoboken hoagie over at Hal's Hoagie Haven. You know what I'm what saying? You, what are you What are you doing over there? What are you? I know Al. <laughs> Al owes me money. You know, I get a good mortadella, a good uh, capicoli sandwich over at Hal's. I mean, what yeah. do you do, right? Yeah, Hal's gonna be good if I don't break his thumbs. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how are you supposed to put meat on a hoagie if you don't have your thumbs? I mean, no, come on. let me tell you, don't underestimate the power of thumbs when you're making a hoagie. So I don't know. You <laughs> I, go I see might Hal, have to go but, over uh, to Carlos Bake you know, Shop because, he, he, you know what? If Hal doesn't pan out, I'm going to head over to Carlos Bake Shop and put some fondant on my yeah. on my, my my cakes. If I'm going over there, I'm going over there to see Flo, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, I the bread's good, but uh, her buns. That's why I go over there. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, that's a different story. Hey, oh. You're so, my brother. What's what up, are we man? Talking about? I don't know. You know, this is hey. our, you know, we're just kicking. We're kicking. Hey. Out. We could have done that whole conversation with just hand gestures. And yeah. uh, only the Italians watching would have known what we were talking. They were like, oh, cool. He's talking about going get a hoagie over a house. Yeah, I'll tell you when my hand gestures are most effective is just simply on podcasts when there's no video. We just do the whole thing, and I, uh, people are like, "What? What's going on?" I here? look my my dad, immigrant from Italy. My mom, immigrant from Portugal, and obviously they met because Italians only marry one of two uh, like ethnicities. You're either. Portuguese right. or you are Irish and so we got the Italian Portuguese mix but it's funny because like it's it's funny how like dominant the Italian side is because like at the end of the day dude I, I'm Canadian like I was born in Canada but yeah. all growing up it's like yeah Mike's our Italian friend but it's like you know I could have just as easily been our the Portuguese friend like <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like no Michael's Italian his last name Cirillo you know he's the Italian friend and the older I get and the more like aware I become of, of the like stereotypical, like Italian behavioral, like patterns and character traits and stuff. I'm like, Oh, that's not me. And then my kid has got to go and do something stupid. And instantly, what are you like? What's what's going on? What are you doing? What are you doing? 
You know, my voice. I'm like, wait, why is my voice getting so high right now? Come on, you, what are you? You're doing something so stupid. <laughs> we become our parents. We just it, it just happens. I I yep. do it all the time. I just go. I just I just was my dad there. What happened? It just comes yeah. out of the back of your brain. That reminds me of uh, what Brent Weiss says. He was speaking at a conference in Toronto, and it was all about millennials, you know, that little craze that stole our attention for 25 seconds. And and he's like, look, bottom line is this isn't really relevant because we all turn into our parents anyways. Like sure. that's just yeah. the, that's the bottom line here. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the new catchphrase is marketing to our parents instead of marketing to millennials. Mm-hmm. My, I'm going to there's write an, that down. Marketing to our parents, which, you know what, we could talk about for days because I think, you know, the, the concept of like millennials and this and that is kind of ridiculous. But uh, um, when really we should be focused on people, but um, I don't really have any way to tie that into our subject matter today <laughs> with any anecdotes or anything. So I'm just going to say, let's dive in, man. It's good to have you on the show. How you been doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I'm glad to be here. And that's part of the reason I love your show because, of, you know, we talk about anything and, and really, let's face it, everything we do relates directly or indirectly to what we do for a living. And uh, right. that's right. that's the fun of it. But I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be on the show. I'm honored. I love your show. Avid listener. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be anywhere else, my good friend. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. That's about all the time we've got. For- no, I'm just kidding. All right. Thanks, everybody. Good night. <laughs> so, I'll be here you all know, week. Something that um, I, I always enjoy having you on the show. I mean, you've been on before. We we did this uh, formal interview with you back in the day, you know, two, three years ago, something like that. Um, and then we also randomly decided to call you and put you on the spot one day. Uh, and you so graciously answered the phone, which which was really delightful. Um, but the thing that I always appreciate is thinking over the hundred and some odd guests now that we've had on the show, ranging from, you know, New York Times bestselling authors to the Gary V's of the world, to the J, but like we've had this, you know, the Lisa Copeland's and the, the Jill Conrath's you are one of two only in all of those episodes that actually has experience as a general manager and going beyond that, you are the only person I've had on the show to date that has had all experience inside of a dealership. I mean, stemming from working the lot and being a lot boy and detailing cars, working your way up to sales, working your way up to be a general manager, which is where we picked up on your story, having you on the show. And then, I mean, you went on beyond that and became uh, an owner. And so, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated because, and I'm excited right now to, to dig into your brain here a little bit because we can talk about things with, I think, um, experience that has not been matched yet by a guest on the show. Wow. Thank you. And I don't know if that's a compliment or, oh man, you've been in this business a long time. I was which say, makes me me, my polite way of saying you're old is, is yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, son. Uh, <laughs> I, I have been in, I've been in the business a long time and I would love to say that I aspired to be in the car business from when I was a child and give you this story. Right. And I, I had little models of, 
uh, car dealerships in my bedroom when I was a young boy and tiny <laughs> little streamers and tiny little wavy tube guys in my toy chest. They were right uh, next to your pet uh, rock. <laughs> my pet rock. And I remember uh, playing with all the other kids and I was a finance manager when I was five. And yeah, no, that's that's not what happened at all. It was how, total, how much were you total uh, on that lemonade stand? How much were you making front and back? Oh, yeah. No, let me tell you, when I bust down the financials on the lemonade stand, you know, no one liked when I went to the lemonade 20 group meetings, because every time I came back, I had all these outlandish ideas from these other lemonade dealers. And uh, they they hated that because I would come in and uh, or try to win the idea contest there at those lemonade 20 groups. Uh, yeah. Our moderator was ruthless. Yeah. Those, those I mean, were the you, days. You ultimately, you had to get out, though, because there were so many... Um, lemonade powder suppliers who said that you know if you well, just bought their powder you'd get more traffic leads and sales to your to your lemonade no one stand. will remember no one will forget the lemonade crash of 1971 um <laughs> it's when i mean you know lemonade stands across the country it was all tied to real estate of course but it, yeah, and no one really thought about how it would affect the lemonade business and so i mean yeah, who do you people, see rolling around on tricycles anymore no, I mean, I'm that, you, that industry all died. They weren't prepared made, for it. All these companies came in and seized uh, lemonade dealerships back from the, the actual lemonade dealers, and they had to consolidate. <laughs> People had to really rethink the whole lemonade business when uh, the crash of the lemonade business. I mean, it was way worse than the 08, uh, you know, the 08 <laughs> situation with cars. I mean, that was a drop in the bucket. Nobody understands that lemonade that lemonade crisis. As a matter of yeah. fact, I I don't even really like talking about it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it kind of just it's a tough spot for you. It is. It's it's uh it's emotional, but uh, but it you know it helped me prepare for uh, my automotive career. <laughs> Boy, howdy! I told you this is coming right out of the gate. But you, hey, full disclosure, you knew what you were getting into, right? I knew what and I was I knew getting what into. I, I knew what I was getting into. Well, and you know what's funny about this? I mean, obviously, that's such a ridiculous. <laughs> I totally snuffed out your great compliment, too. You gave me this really, like, dramatic, awesome compliment. No, so but this is you. what I love about you because I think, <laughs> you, you know, if, if I could say anything, I think – um, and I can't really speak to other industries. Obviously, we know it goes on, and we know we know there is like a real estate podcast right now where they're like, "And here's all the problems with the real estate advisory commission." And blah blah blah. blah right? Um, what I love about this is, like, you just—I I don't know—I feel like if you can't laugh at yourself, and if you if if you actually wake up in the morning, you take yourself that seriously. That's that's a problem, and I think we're seeing it all the time in this industry, especially. People woke up this morning. This 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 kills me. I mean, this is hilarious. People woke up this morning on that side of the bed, quote unquote. They're gonna have that kind of day. And the problem I have with it is when they're waking up on that side of the bed and having that kind of a day, the first thing they do is pick up a microphone, i.e. Facebook. And they start making all these outlandish generalized claims and sharing strong opinions. And they want to debate. Like I saw this thing the other day. This Somebody had posted, and I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And we need to get back to the Ringo Starr philosophy of peace and love, peace and love. 
um, talking about how they needed to lower their expectations because they just basically think everybody's so stupid. And then the comments that followed were like, well, I'm a bully and I know that. And it's because I expect people to basically, I expect people to be smarter than they are. And the, like, there's just so much crap going on in the industry that I think, you, you know, it's, I love chatting with you because for all intents and purposes, with your experience inside of a dealership, you should be tainted and a disbeliever in people and the most like narcissistic, um, self-centered, um, skeptical, cynical person on the planet. Yet you remain lighthearted, humble. And, um, and so I kind of want to just dive into your brain, like j- just the uncluttered part of your brain, that, that one. That's piece all that's, that's there, dude. There's nothing cluttered. There's not that much up there. And that in itself has been my strongest asset is. Do you think keeping. that's helped you kind of navigate? your career in automotive to a, to a degree to achieve success and whatnot? Absolutely. No, absolutely. I am a, I'm a firm believer of keeping things very, very simple. The, the car business is extremely simple. It's very simple. Business is simple. The more simple you keep the principles and the, the, the more self-aware you are and the more you are aware of the big picture, uh, the easier this thing is. And, and I encourage the people that I work with to take a minute and stand on a chair in the corner of the room. And that just means get up on the chair up in the corner and you'll look at the room from a different perspective. Right. And the, whole, the room looks different and you can see everything. And you don't notice, you didn't notice that this was in the corner. And I'm, that's very, I'm speaking very figuratively, but just look at things from a different angle and holistically. And then the biggest problem in the entire universe, and we'll say in the car business, is priorities. You know, assess your priorities. And sometimes they don't even, the people that I work with, the dealerships I work with, sometimes they don't even know what their priorities are or should be, or they have them and they think they have them in order, uh, but they don't. And so, you know, keeping it simple and prioritizing and uncluttered. I love the way you put that. That's 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 what's inside my head right now. There's not a lot of clutter. <laughs> I mean, 80s music trivia and, uh, uh, you know, New York accents uh, not included. I mean, it's sure. cluttered stuff like that. But Yeah, yeah. Well, but I think it's, a, you know, that's an interesting point because sometimes we think um, – we as a society kind of look down on that and say, Oh, see, this person's not a deep thinker because they, but I would, I would challenge that and say, that's probably one of the greatest assets um, that you can have is a, is clarity of thought. And I mm-hmm. think today we're just not seeing enough clarity and thought. People are too quick to jump to assumptions, to judgment, to debate, to yeah, yeah. all of these things, there, there's too many generalizations going on. Um, when I don't think we're taking enough, like, it, it's just evidence to me of how unclear people think. And you I, know, in the, no way, it, am it, saying that I think I think more clearly than anybody else. I mean, I'm a victim yeah. of this as well. But you know, I think it's something that's worthwhile addressing because there, at this very moment in time, there are call it four hundred and fifty thousand. Um, 
automotive professionals, just franchise dealer in the United States alone, who are all sitting here feeling like they're spinning in circles. I, I would say there's very few of them who have this clarity of vision and direction and where they want to go and what they want to achieve. The, the rest of them are just sitting there spinning in circles. They're going to go home today feeling unfulfilled. They're going to go mm-hmm. home today upset about the outcome of the day. They're going to go right. home wondering if the car business is actually a viable place to have to build a career. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and so I want to turn this to you. I mean, how do you, how do you filter all of that out? How do you, you, you know, you mentioned something pre-show about letting go. What are we letting go of? How do we let go? Well, I'll address the first part about kind of maybe what do we do? And, and, and from a, if I, and so if you're asking me, if I'm a salesperson and I'm feeling that, you know, I, I don't know if this is my deal or whatever. Uh, there's one answer to that, but but we have a responsibility in this business to to try to ensure that they don't get to that point of hopelessness. And I believe it is when we find these people, the way that we recruit them, the way that we bring them in, the way we onboard them, and the way we ver- from the very beginning explain the concepts of what this business is, and not turn them loose. You know, most people bring a new salesperson on board and and uh, they have the standby method. You know, you've heard of the standby method. Uh, won't you go standby Jim for a couple of weeks? Why don't you go standby Sally for a couple of weeks? <laughs> Problem is, Jim and Sally both suck, and uh, so we just want to. And then they do that and they disappear. And then in about three months, we go, "Hey, that that new kid, Justin. Well, he just isn't panning out. You know, sure. Sure. Uh, we let. I mean, so I tell him, you, know, you got another week. Meanwhile, he doesn't know anything, but the standby method. And then, then that's when they start feeling that because all they've done is they've been given, uh, you know, somebody's training videos or go to these websites or watch this outdated BS, whatever. And then they're expected to understand the whole concept of it. So one of the things that I've always done is when I train new people, it's about 20% technique. Uh, I, I have a an incredible sales process. I, I I would put my sales process, my sales process training against anyone in the country. But eighty percent of what I teach uh, when when I have a new employee and what I'm doing here, as I'm also trying to concentrate on onboarding, helping dealers with onboarding processes, is uh, how to look conceptually at this business as if it were your own business and things they need to, the way they need to feel about it, the way they need to treat the business, the way their family needs to feel about the business, uh, what's going to happen. This is going to happen, and this is the way uh, to effectively build this to be in this uh, long term and spell out a career path. My goodness, we is there a business in the world that has worth, worse career path uh, awareness <laughs> than the car business? Uh, you know, Look at enterprise renter car places like that. They have these very specific career paths. We just don't do a good job of that. So I think right. why, as, is, why as, is as, that? as dealership? Oh, it's uh, I have no idea. I'd love to give you some is it just tradition. It's just how things have evolved. Yeah, it, it's 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 laziness, and it's this it's this very very disposable society, and and it comes from the top. People people say, oh. 
car salespeople are pushy. Well, you know, you know why they're pushy? A, <laughs> customers lie to them all the time. Why do customers lie to them? Because they're scared of them. Why are they scared of them? Because the salesperson puts a lot of pressure. Why do they put a lot of pressure on them? Because their manager's putting a lot of pressure on them. And why are that? Why is that happening? Because the GM is hammering and saying, if he, we don't get things turned around, I'm firing the whole management crew. Meanwhile, the dealer's about to fire the GM. Meanwhile, the dealer's about to lose his franchise. Uh, why, yeah. why do we not like car salespeople? Because they are at the bottom of the ocean, which is the highest pressure. I mean, you know, it's just... It's insane. The whole thing's insane, and it's been that way. And the, set, the I think the reason it's been that way is because dealers are making a ton of money in spite of this kind of ridiculous, antiquated way of doing things. And so if they're making money, then what? Obviously, they're doing it right. Well, and, but this leads, this leads to where we are today. Um, yeah. The reason the, the reason I think they're making money is because there hasn't been another way to do the process. But now look what's happening, right? Um, you've got Amazon who's who who already today can um, sell a Fiat on Amazon in Italy. They're testing it out, mm -hmm. right? Like you you go on, you pick your Fiat, you pick the color, you pick the features, and then they ask you where you want it delivered. Right. Um, and so this is freaking people out because now all of a sudden there isn't just one and only way to buy a car. Mm -hmm. um, so the question becomes, since it's, I, I, I don't, and, and maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think um, the it, it, because there hasn't been another way up until now that's provided some comfort. There is a way to, there, there are some new ways to do it. So that provides some discomfort. We're not going to change the industry on mass. I don't think mm -hmm. inside of your sphere as a GM, how, how did you initiate a reset to provide a, a different experience or how did you cause your store to stand on the stair, the chair in the corner and get a different perspective on things? And how can you yeah. do that while ultimately, you know, maintaining what you the the have tos that the OEM force upon you and all those sorts of things? Yeah. Uh, well, that's a that's a multi part question. I think as a uh, as a dealer, and I'm speaking to dealers that are listening. You know, that you have to be agile and you have to be responsive to things that change. So much of the conversation we say, see in social media or on message boards or on shows like this or whatever is, is this complaining about the way things are and these damn millennials and, and you can't sell a car online or I predict that that'll never happen. This will eventually – I am the person that says this is happening. Yeah. How do we adjust? How do yep. we adjust to what's going on? I, I, I'm going to spend what, much more time adjusting to what's going on than trying to change it. You know, I'm not going to change the world, you know, and I'm not trying, I'm not saying anything, it's John Lennon, but I'm not going to change, you know, I'm not going to change this business or change the way technology is evolving. My best bet is to try to get out ahead of it or if, sure. at the very least stay with it. But, 
look at the way things are going and adjust and being able to adjust quickly. You know, I hear all the time, I hear these mid-sized dealers, small dealers complaining. These big city dealers and these big rooftop groups, they're just killing me on price and they're doing all this stuff. I just go, you don't know how good you have it. You can be nimble. You can be agile. You can listen and respond and, and do things different and uh, be the mad scientist and, and uh, uh, hide up in the trees and shoot <laughs> arrows at the competition. That's do you think fun. that's just an indication of um, them not stopping to think, just being oh, a victim? Oh, yes, yes. There's, there, I mean – there's so much victim mentality. There's so much bitching and moaning. In, and if I have to hear one more person say, yeah, well, we're switching CRM companies. That CRM sucks. Or <laughs> this company, AutoTrader, they're, they're terrible. I, I'm going to yeah. quit them. They're great. They're terrible. This good. This bad. It's different everywhere. Analyze it. Find out if it's working for you. And if not, just quit it. Don't get a picket sign and stand out in front of your dealership. Just, you know, think. And that's, you know, I, I, I am a very uncluttered uh, person. I try to keep very simple concepts. I'm a very deep thinker. I think about things, you know, a lot. And I really try to dissect things. But I do it both on an analytical uh, uh, on an analytical kind of concept, but I also I do it from a very reasonable and just what is the customer going to think when I say this? I mean, just very personal. So you have to mix those things. You know, so many GMs are they just sit in there and crunch numbers. Everything's a number. They go. You know, if this number doesn't match this, but I have to look at the the life behind the number and what's what's really causing it. So that's, I think that we, uh, I think we're just going to be better served if we just back away, <laughs> take it easy, look at these things from a more personal standpoint. You know, yeah, just disconnect from the day to day grind until you've figured things out. Yeah, yeah. It's just we, we get too carried away with excuses. And uh, we, you know, like I said, we're blaming the CRM. We're blaming this and uh, the processes and the people inside there. And, you know, not to be cliche about people and processes, but uh, just have to you have to do what you do in your market and then just do it really well. And uh, people just forget to look at the core things. It's just easier. It's way easier to blame a product. You know, it's easier to blame, yeah. blame one of those things that somebody tried to sell you. But, it, you know, it's your job to utilize that product and, and to manage and hold people accountable, which is 98 percent of the problems that we face are management related. You know, they're not product related or franchise related. Uh, I'm sitting down chatting with Mr. Is it Fanny Belitis? Is that how you say that? Fanny, Fanny Benitas. Fanny, the, the Fanny Benitas, sitting down chatting with my good friend, Danny Benitas, uh, all about how to change the industry, starting with you. Um, we're going to talk more after this brief word. We started using the KBB Instant Cash Offer day one. It delivers a better customer experience and customer engagement. 
I can log into the Instant Cash Offer tool and see cars that customers have appraised where I can buy their car from them or we trade them into a newer pre-owned vehicle. It's easier to get to that yes moment because it just streamlines and expedites the whole process. The Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer is a complete win-win for both parties, the dealer and the customer. And it's an essential part of doing business in today's world. Okay, so digging into this, I mean, I love the concept of, and this is going to sound wrong, you know, but for lack of better words, I mean, I love the concept of slowing down mm-hmm. because everything about us today, and this is only North America from what I can tell, by the way, and, and by North America, I mean U.S. and Canada. I am excluding right. Mexico because they kind of flow in with the rest of the way the planet works, which is, sure. man, they live happy, slow chill you know i was talking to a friend of mine um who for six or seven months out of the year they they bought a house down in ecuador Mm -hmm. and she was telling my wife and i about it and it was like you know everything they do is kind of this like oh we'll do it tomorrow we'll take care of it tomorrow you know like nothing's a big rush but she said the the irony of it is in their own sphere in the context of their own lives and how the way of life works there they still manage to get things done. They're still really sure. accomplished business people. They're still really, sure. you know, uh, successful people there. But it's it's the concept of like, dude, I don't, I don't have social media. Social yeah. what? Social yeah. to me is like hanging out at your house for a three hour lunch. And right. the thing I actually came to talk to you about, we'll deal with tomorrow because it's no big deal. Life's good. Um, right. Here, however. Do you think like social media, do you think seeing the best parts of people's lives, because that's all we're only willing to share, either the best parts or the absolute worst parts of people's lives is what Mm -hmm. we get on social media and the speed at which information travels here and um, the the addiction level, do you think Mm -hmm. that plays into this feeling of, I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. If I'm not moving, then I'm not, at, you know, I'm not accomplishing anything. And if I'm not accomplishing anything, then I'm going to be the laughing stock of all of my colleagues. And you're the average of your, what your five closest friends and success is money and success is lifestyle. And you got to be self like all of these competing messages. Does that, I, I mean, do we suffer from only seeing the tip of the iceberg these days? Yeah, yeah, I think we do. We we are inundated with, uh, you know, really when you break it down, it's information. You know, social media, whatever, your smart devices, uh, you know, the Internet, all, all, all these things. We are just being inundated with data and info. It's just being poured on us at a level in which I, I never dreamt of. Uh, and so... The pressure that comes from that is really up to how the person is set up to deal with pressure in general, if they're set up to deal with that kind of things. And and sometimes you need to study and read and learn and acquire the skill of handling that kind of pressure. You know, I see people like Tim Ferriss Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, talked about the, the... you know, four-day work week, and and that sometimes less is more, that you can 
you can organize your life in such a way to where you can be, you know, have you seen Tim Ferriss's interviews, his television show interviews? He has his new show, A Fear Less. Yeah. Yep. And he is a very laid back guy. He's a very principled guy. He's very, uh, he's well thought out, well spoken, but he's not, he's not in your face waving hundred dollar bills at you and flashing rings at you and, right. and showing you his, uh, you know, uh, Bentley or whatever, you know, he sure. is just, we have so much of this mentality. And let me make sure I want to make one point. If, if you work for me, you better produce and you better bring it and you better be good because my standards are very, very high. Right. However, uh, and, and so I don't want anyone listening and not that I care about what you think about me personally. I don't want you to, to misunderstand my message that we need to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and just <laughs> chill out and let everybody run over us. Absolutely. And anyone who's been a competitor of me in a market would attest <laughs> to this <laughs> in great detail. I am a savage. I go after the juggler bait. I think we need to be aggressive. We need to be smart and put things into perspective. And let's get great at the things that we need to get great at and quit worrying about these things that are just not true and they're generalized and all this other stuff. So I want to just make that quick side point before I, I get into what we're talking about. Sure. But we are in a content uh, overload situation. We're in a data overload situation. So I think one thing that we're going to see in the next few years is we're going to be really talking about, I call it digestion. I mean, we're going to be talking about digestible data and digestible content. Just how much can we handle that we can digest at the pace we need? Uh, and so it's not going to be who can acquire the most data everybody's got all the data. Okay. Can we sure. just get that out? Everybody's got everything. Yeah. Now don't sit around and worry. The big brother's watching. Everybody's got all the data and it's your own damn fault. If you're listening to this, because you tell everybody every time you break up with somebody and every time you go out with somebody <laughs> when you're going to have a baby and that you got a new tennis shoe and all, I mean, you're just given, you're giving all of us. And thank you, by the way, every point of data that can possibly be gotten. So all yeah. of this being said, it, it's just the way it is. It's just the way we uh, we communicate. But you have to be able to discern through that and have the ability to to discern what's helpful, what's not, who you need to defriend, who's going to just make you feel worse, you know. And we have. Didn't you say we had four hundred fifty thousand? Salespeople? So, well, professionals. I, the, the last report Sam. I looked at, and this is just franchise dealers alone, right? So it's something like 230,000, 240,000 sales pros, franchise dealers, and then another 200 and some odd thousand, you, you know, other from okay. leadership to so, administration. So to, there's two, 200,000 plus salespeople, and only 100,000 of them are uh, self professed sales trainers on Facebook. <laughs> So only about half, right? About a hundred thousand. Okay. Um, which is, if you notice very carefully as I, 
market myself and talk about what I do. I, I don't call myself a sales trainer, uh, so <laughs> we'll get that out of the way. But that's a side note. There's just a lot of people out there, and there's a lot of messages, and everybody, you just got to filter through. And if there's someone on there that's making you feel bad that says that if if you don't hit it 18 hours a day, well, then you're a loser. And if you don't yeah. make this much, and if you're – you know, you need to be in the billionaire boys club and, and you got to be a baller like me or or you can just get out of my face because you're worthless. You know, if that stuff motivates you and stuff, that's fine. Don't call me to go have a beer because it'll annoy me. But if that's what it does it for you, that's cool. <laughs> then that needs to be your stream of content. And that's what pushes you. And that's what makes you grind. If that kind of stuff makes you feel bad, like what you the point you made, and causes you to feel like you don't match up or I'm not, you know, good enough, whatever, then peel it off your stream. One of the beauties about Facebook and all these other things is you can peel people off your stream. If somebody's consistently depressing you or showing you cat videos or telling you you suck if you don't do A, B, and C, eliminate them. There's an on off switch for each one of those. And fill your Facebook page and your connections with people that are going to edify you and people that are going to see good in you and encourage you and give you good content that's going to help you and not self-serving uh, garbage. So, well, and okay, so something that. that's really interesting about this, you, you have now officially used a word that I have not heard used outside of like a religious setting, which okay. is edification uh-huh to edify um to lift, what I, up. to lift up to empower to inspire mm-hmm. right um but i think it has such a, a much more deeply rooted meaning than just to inspire or to motivate right sure it's it's to i think along with it comes the conviction of and, and the confidence that the path you are taking is the right one for you. And, you know, tying this into what you've talked about, it's all about perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk a lot about these days that um, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. When really it's, it's perception is one's reality. And yeah. what you're talking about here is, this day and age, yes, there is this this data and content overload, and that might be making you feel a certain way, but you have the ability to turn it on and off and really determine what information you gather will edify you mm-hmm. to achieve the things that you want to achieve. But, I mean, you, you tell me, I mean, at some point, somewhere in your career, somewhere in your life, Danny Benitez had to sit down and say, but what do I want? Would you say that's the starting point? Like, how does this, how did, how does this all work for those listening in? They're like, oh yeah, this is me. Yeah. Where do I start? Like, you you know, I feel like so many people are like, but how do I know what I want? Yeah. Like, let me tell you, you, yeah, you have to figure out what your definition of success is. And if that's hard, then you need to get a piece of uh, a piece of paper and a pencil, or uh, you know, get on your computer or do a voice recording on your phone, right? And just start right. listing things that make you happy, that make you smile, 
things that you just like. Maybe it's places you want to go. Maybe it's a kind of car you like to drive. Maybe it's watching motocross racing on TV. What are those things that just make you feel good inside? And then what are those things that inspire tons of fear in you? What are some of those things that that you just, ugh, I hate when this happens. And you really, really need to identify your greatest wants and desires and goals and your greatest fears. And, and you need to get that list, a tangible list, and look at them. And you have to find things that align with those things that trigger the happiness. Now, in some people, with all due respect, it's big money. Buying stuff makes people, I mean, let me tell you, scientific evidence, sure. buying things, you know, they increase the the chemicals so in your body, it changes dopamine something. level. No, it is. Yeah. That's great. If that's what trips your trigger and having a yacht and a plane and that kind of stuff, you know, uh, sure. those. if that's it, well, good. Well, then I'm just saying do things that align you with that. If, if, if serving other people is what it is. For me, the thing that really, and I did this absolutely specifically right after I spent 14 days in a coma and, you know, flatlined and was dead. Right. I assessed my life and I said, ah, my days are short. I mean, I didn't think like I was going to die the next day. I was kind of out of the woods at this point. But I went, man, I got to make this stuff count. I want if it ain't fun, I ain't doing it. That's my motto. If it ain't fun, I ain't doing it. If you go look in my office and it's cleared out, nothing's in there. Somebody needs to go, whoop, Danny quit having fun today, I guess. Yeah, sure. But, <laughs> so what is it? And then you have to align these things with what it is that kind of trips your trigger. And, and unfortunately, for dealerships out there, if you do this, if you're a salesperson, it may, may end up being that what you're doing right now is not what makes you happy. But I, I can guarantee you in most cases it's not money. And if it's what money provides, what is it that money is providing? And then how else can you acquire that? Or is that something that you may already have? You have to line that out. And so right. that's what I would say. Stop right now. Stop what you're doing. I don't give a damn if you're in the middle of a car deal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Stop what you're doing and look at your life because waiting a day to do this it's going to cost you. So just figure it out and then go and then get with someone who is interested in developing you. And that's my deal. My deal is watching people develop. Uh, it's way better. If somebody asks me how much money I've made over the period of my career, I would not be able to get anywhere close. I don't even really know what I made last year. Honestly, I really don't. Uh, it's a scorecard. I know the bigger the number is, kind of my score, but but I can tell you right now that I've developed five people who were salespeople that now own their own dealerships. That's the that's my favorite stat. I know who they are. I can tell you their name. I can probably tell you their social security number. I can tell you their wife's and their kids' <laughs> names. I know everything about them, and that's my greatest accomplishment. Not being on a show or writing a book or writing articles or speaking or doing any of this other garbage. I changed, yeah. I helped change the lives of five families and maybe generationally. That's a legacy, you know, 
that's that's what uh, you know we talk about what are you doing today well i'm trying to i'm trying to affect what they're going to write on my headstone legacy you know? yeah i just want to leave a legacy and i want to develop that now that's just me so that's an example that's not me going do 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 look how cool yeah, yeah. i am that's, i'm just saying yeah that's that's my deal yeah i mean yeah. that's my deal and right. everybody has something different. Some of them, they say, I want to, my kid to play in the NFL. I want to be able to sail all the time. I like to scuba dive. I want to travel. I want to be able to, uh, I want to be able to help my son walk again. Yeah. To get yeah. heavy. I don't yeah, yeah. know what it is. I want my son to make it through this therapy. I want my daughter to uh, be a valedictorian. That's what she wants. I want my wife to be happy. I want my whatever. Figure it out and then make your plan and make sure you align yourself with someone who is interested in developing you and that is smart and that understands numbers. And it's not going to hide everything from you and isn't insecure. God, we could do a whole show on in this insecurity of the car business and, and the ego and, and some of the things that cloud so many people's success. You know, it reminds me of this, uh, and I've I've written about this before, and I've I've talked about this. I I've put this into my presentations before, but I, I, you know, I love what you're saying because it reminds me of this scene in Disney's Alice in Wonderland. I'm talking about the animated, you know, whenever that came out in the 50s or 60s yeah. or whatever. And here's Alice. She's in Wonderland. She's been walking down a path for a certain period of time. Um, we'll call this the path you've been taking up to this point in your life. And she meets, she's met with a fork in the road and there's the tree and the, you know, the, the, what's the, the cat's name? The, um, I'm drawing it's, a blank. The, it's the, the Cheshire cat, the Cheshire, Cheshire cat appears. It's Cheshire, isn't Cheshire. it? Cheshire if you're an American. It's something, it's, it's something. It's Maybe it's aluminium. Cheshire. It's a che Hey, what are you doing? I mean, I'm trying to tell a what story. Are you doing Come I'm on, what's going on? Just a yeah, get up here. Yeah. So he uh, he appears and says, you know, and he's creepy and he's weird. And her question is, which path should I take? Essentially, I'm summarizing, obviously. And right. he says, well, where do you want to go? And she says, well, I hadn't really thought about that. I don't think it really matters. To which he responds, if you don't know what direction you'd want to go, how will you know if you've ever gotten there you get, if you get there yeah. or how do you know which path to take doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really matter what path you take if you don't know where you want to go and i think That's a right. lot of people in life in general and i know because i've been there um because they haven't taken the time to do what you're talking about here to just say stop you know, figuratively speaking, you know, I don't care if you're in the middle of a car deal. You need to, uh, that's just to suggest you need to take the time for you to figure out what is it that I want in life. I love what you said. What makes me happy? I don't think enough. I think too many people are shy about what makes them happy. No, they've been, uh, no, they've been told that money's going to make them happy. They've yeah, been told that doesn't. if you're not, if you don't have, this possession, and if you aren't making this much, and if you don't have this kind of influence, well, then right. you're less than a man. I mean, you're you're a loser. <laughs> you're you're just you're not going to stack up. You're just not cool. Yeah. And yeah. so they are living their lives based on someone else's standard, and and that's not what makes them happy. 
And you've had Gary Vaynerchuk on here. And I love when he says, uh, because Tom makes 47000 and he wants to start his own business and make 97000 That's a win. And God, yeah. I couldn't agree more. So right. that changed his life. And so that person to me is as successful as someone who hit the million, five million, hundred million, whatever that dot, whatever that thing is. It's just. You know, when they, they talk about going to Vegas and you go play blackjack, some people play blackjack for with $5 chips and some play with $10,000 chips. It's the same game. It's just a different color chip. This chip got this person excited. Mm. The $5 mm. chip made the other person excited. It's the same game. You still have to do the same things to succeed at the game. So car selling doesn't change because your goals are $500 billion or it's $5. The car business, sells, you're either good at it or you're not. Where is it taking you? What goals do you want to have? So we're all just playing with different color chips. And if somebody's telling you that only the black chips matter and that's making you feel bad, well, then turn them off. You know, and if somebody mm -hmm. else is saying you know, this, this, or that, this is a way you can feel good about what you're doing, and this is what you want to do. And again, make no mistake, you can be as tenacious and smart. You know, I'll put, I'll put my knowledge about this business against anyone in the country, anyone. Uh, you know, maybe not deep dive digital. I understand it pretty damn well for a GM and a dealer, but, but overall, I'll put it up against anyone. So I, I'm not going to be bullied around by somebody who says I'm this or that or how many hours or this or that. Nobody works more hours than me, but I'm just tired of the attitudes, you know. So, uh, you know, and, and you're talking about I wanted to jump this in and I'm going to do something that you may not like or I may I really don't do very much because I really don't even know this person really, really, really well. But Renee Stewart, uh, I've just heard nothing but great things. I've spoken with her several times. And she is, to me, one of the coolest people I've talked to, and she's incredibly smart. So many people have told me that, and I, I had a session or two with her, but she will take and help clarify what it is that really makes you tick. That's her specialty. She has these programs where she will work with you and talk with you. And uh, man, I'm telling you, if, if this is something you're really serious about, maybe you're a GM, maybe you're a sales manager, uh, Maybe you're a salesperson, whatever. Maybe you're just stuck and you're like, I know I'm not happy and I don't get this. I'm telling you, she'd be worth a, a call uh, if, if she can get you in. She's like uh, booked. She's a full book of business. But, man, wow. I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, she's su super, super cool. And uh, and so anyway, that, I didn't. that's not a commercial. That's just there's just a handful of people in this business where I just go, you know, that person gets, you know, the. Who's your Danny? Two thumbs up. The two and, thumbs uh, up. Yeah. And, and so, and it's exactly what we're talking about. And when you say clarify your message and really get down to the nuts and bolts of what you want to do, she's somebody that I, I think there's really, she's kind of unmatched in that area. So the, really the question is for you listening or watching right now, how many times on the DPB, have you heard someone say you need to sit down and discover what your definition of success is? N the question being, have you done it yet? 
If you haven't done it yet and you still feel like you're not moving in any direction, you feel like you're sitting in that rocking chair, right? Lots of motion, no movement. Then, you know, the encouragement is, and I'm going to add my voice to Danny's here, man. Stop. Take the time to figure out what you want to do with your life, man. This is your life. You're the one in control. You're in the driver's seat. Nobody gets to impose their definition of success on you. This is your deal. Bingo. You know, I, I love what you're, you, you've brought to the table here today, uh, Danny, and I especially love that you and I got to belt out the theme song to All in the Family before this and that you, you took on the role of Edith. Um, I didn't know your voice could go that high. It was a bit of a surprise. Um, I didn't know I had the Edith in me. Uh, the, I didn't know I had that voice in me. So it was a surprise to me also. <laughs> Such a catchy tune. I'm going to be singing it forever now. Um, for, for, for those that are interested in getting in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, pretty easy. Go to uh, dannybenitas.com or dealerhealth.com. Uh, I'm very, very easy to find on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but my personal contact information is on my website. Go there, reach out. Uh, I, I now have a company, you know, we talk about, you know, right there we were talking about assessing your situation. I mean, you got to stop and assess. And I want dealers to do that, individuals. And this isn't just salespeople. This may, there may be a, a dealer principal who owns a dealership who needs to stop and figure this out too. Because I've met a lot of miserable general managers, a lot of miserable dealers and miserable salespeople. And I'm not saying it's just about misery. It's just about clarifying what it is you really want. And if you need help clarifying it, what I do is I assessments is kind of my deal. I can assess. I have a kind of a knack for assessing situations from a cultural standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, and most importantly, with where my background is from a financial standpoint. I can get in and we can really assess your the financial health of your dealership hence the name dealer health so we assess and strategize and implement uh you know after we prioritize through these assessments and uh if they want to get if anybody wants to get a hold of me for that for any reason to just visit i'll i'm maybe one of the most no nonsense car guys around <laughs> after 35 years you'd think i'd be a little uh little more normal but i'm you know i'm not i'm pretty unconventional so Get a hold right. of me, and I'd be glad to help. And here's how we're ending it off. I promise you I was not reading text messages here. I actually was devising a plan. You said something about music trivia, so let, let's just do a little test here. Okay. Oh, look out. Here she comes, calling out. She's man-eater. Yeah, sorry. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Let's see what we got here. You're right in the genre. That's the one that takes up the most space in my head. All right. Uh, flash dance. Jerk. It's a maniac. Maniac. All right. Here we Almost. go. Um, no, that one's too obvious. That one's too obvious. That's too obvious. Oh, man. Okay. All, all right. Too send, obvious. Me a, send me something obscure. All right. Here, here we go. Uh, tainted love, soft bell. That was too obvious. Oh yeah, because I got these it are all that. too obvious, man. What about like? Oh, no, no, they're not. Yeah, they are. Oh hey, man, you, you're a musician. Hey, I let guess. me let me just point out. I I think I 
I hung with you on the uh, the New York accent, and my name's Benitas, by the way. At least you're like Cirillo sounds Italian. I have yeah, a you know, hey, there's Michele Cirillo. What's the matter? You got Danny B Nights over here. Yeah, yeah. So I think I get a little credit there because my name's B Nights, and I got a good, uh, you know, New York accent kind of Italian thing going on. Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. What's the matter with shut you, up. huh? You'll shut up when I'm talking to you. All right, that's how I'm ending this. I'm kicking you out of here. Do it. I'm out of here. Hey, you ain't kicking me out. I'm leaving. Oh, I'm whoa, whoa, out. look at me. <laughs> you say kicking out. I'm walking out. I'm walking out oh. under my own recognizance. You, you're lucky you're going to be walking here sorely. I got a crowbar in the trunk. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> you're going to walk in, you're going to limp out. You know what I'm saying over there? <laughs> hey, by the way, what size are your feet? I'm just curious. I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> got to fix you for some concrete shoes here. Yeah. Oh, man. Love you, buddy. Thanks for being on the show with me today. Nah, let's do it again soon, brother. <laughs> 